But yeah, we in here. Second okay. episode. Right, right. And more importantly, this is the 1985's podcast. Um, so, I mean, I mean, you're you're ending it all. This is part three, the last of the series. And if I didn't know Frank Lucas, uh, just give him give him everything over the over the last twenty years, twenty two years. I've known you. You know, you've gone through every kind of other name under the sun, but I feel like you found found the one ten years ago, if I'm not mistaken. You switched to crank Lucas. So uh, just go ahead and give that history and, and who you are. You just a brief one off. I'm the shit. Yeah, let's get into it. I hate fucking introducing myself. Yeah, I hate yeah. on the shit. Like, I absolutely uh, hate it. I, I, like, this shit. I get it. I get it. I just wanted to give context. Because, you know, if I if I say a name like uh, Quiz, you know, then, you know, nobody knows who that is. But Crank Lucas, everybody knows. And and you know what? I did this weird thing with, before you called where I started looking up stuff about you. Like, you know, you Wikipedias and all that. See if that's out there. And one of the network sites has you at $5 million right now. <laughs> the last time I... Um, the last time I uh, looked at that or seen anything, that they they said that I was worth, um, I think it was like one hundred fifty thousand or some shit like that. Um, Five million, yeah, that's interesting. That's yo, yo, they got. It's, they got it's, it's, it's not far fetched though. It's, it's it's definitely coming. It's definitely yeah. coming. Amen, amen. I just. Because it, depending on which site you clicked on, I saw two hundred and sixty-four thousand. I saw uh, one million. You know, the, the, yeah. Send me that five million joint. You want you want to see that five million joint? All right. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to go back real quick. I want to go back 22 years if you remember, and and, and tell the world where, where we like what we kind of first met and, uh, and you know how you how you know me anyway because you know me through my brother. Like you went to school with, with, with William. Yeah. So, so that's basically how I met you. But I want to hear your perspective of that time period. So go ahead. Well, uh, at the time it was seventh grade. Um, my homeroom class, I believe it was a math class. We all went to Kettering Middle. Shout out to Kettering Middle. And at the time, um, in our class, there was me and Terrence was in that class also. So what ended up happening was they took some of the students out of our homeroom and swapped them with students from another homeroom. So one of the students that came to the new, one of the students that came to the homeroom was William. So when he showed up, he was just like this cool ass dude that everybody fucked with and he was cool with everybody. I fucked with him because he knew a lot about rap music. He had all the magazines. And then lo and behold, I come to discover that y'all niggas owned every fucking rap CD that ever existed ever in the history of Compact Disc. <laughs> but what happened was he ended up sitting next to Terrence and because they had redid the seating arrangements. So the day after they did the seating arrangements, I was sitting behind both of them. If I'm not mistaken, I was in the row by myself and they were sitting next to each other. They was in front of me and I could hear them talking about their rap lyrics. So I was like, hey, y'all be rapping? They was like, yeah. I was like, me too. So we all kind of formed that bond there. So Bill was the first person that was like, yo, we're going to the studio this weekend. My brother be in there. So I'm like, yo, this is dope. I, I'm trying to come. He's like, all right, bet. So I'm thinking I'm about to go to like a real studio. I ain't never been before. I'm excited. And we get to Sean's house. 
And I'm like, oh, this ain't a real studio, but okay, I see how they do it. That's dope. And so once I seen how y'all was recording, I said, well, I can do that at my, you know, I can use my sister's fucking Emerson stereo, fucking three disc, <laughs> a three disc changer. You know what I'm saying? All I need is a microphone. And right. now, now here's a testament to, to me. I just correctly guessed that because I didn't have a microphone, I could use a headphone as a microphone. And I was correct. Yeah. So that's how that started. I met you. Then me and you ended up linking up and doing the song Step Outside. But eventually, um, I think we ended up bonding because we had so much in common. And at the time, Bill was doing so much that, you know, he was around and he would be at the apartment, but he was always out and about. He would be, Well, he was always fucking working, number one. Right, right. And right. I was about to say, and man, you wasn't working. You you, you was off, girl. And I had just quit a job. So I had time to be there and work on music and shit. So that's kind of like how our shit kind of popped off. All right. I, I, I want to just subtract because you, you talked, you, you went five years in the future after you. you I know, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to go back to that 13 and what impressed me, you know, not only you having your rap lyrics together like that to, to do Step Outside, because you, you were together, you were a whole movement. But you remember you brought like a, the eight track recorder with you? You bought like a t- yeah. eight track with you that day. Yeah. I had never seen anything like that before. You know, I'm yeah. 17, you're 13, and you bring in an eight track recorder to the studio. I'm like, oh, you can me- mess up and just redo the track that you, know, you messed up on? Like, that shit was groundbreaking yeah. to me in, in, you know, in 1998. That's, that's groundbreaking, right? And then yeah. you let me have a tape. And basically, you're rapping as you're making the beat or something like that. Like, you had to make your beats in real time. You get what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. you, yeah. would play, you would play the beat all the way through and then rap over it. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Crazy, crazy talent right off the break. So then... You fast forward five years, and yes, I did, you know, end up at, at 22. I did end up getting that apartment, and, you know, I remember very well you coming over one day, and on that Triton keyboard, you played out the, the first track to, I want to say, the Black Album, 2004. You... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you played yeah. that joint by ear, by hand. I, I was done. I was sold. Um so you know, thus, you know, our, our our friendship took it to another level, and you became my brother. You kind of moved in with me, and 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 went through this whole thing. And I wanna I wanna talk about how I left University of Maryland. I started at Omega Studios, learning recording engineering. <laughs> I went through a whole ten month course to teach me this Pro Tools, and then on a night I go into work, you read the manual or read whatever you know um, Neo in the Matrix type shit you were doing and you know everything and you end up teaching me more than than they did in 10 months like just off your knowledge alone you did that like one night and and that's basically what I'll say about your entire time at at, at my uh, at, at the place like you always were ahead of the curve you were always learning I remember you falling asleep on the couch listening to um engineers like listening to the way they mix records like you would listen to the blueprint all the way through not to listen to Jay-Z but listen to how it was mastered mixed right mm-hmm. how it sounded in the headphones like you would do that then go after your own stuff listen to that in the headphones and see if you could get it to match 
that type, right. of, you know, that type of consistency sets you apart from a lot, of, a lot of people. And I want to make sure that in this podcast, I make it certain that you know, Crank Lucas didn't happen in 2020. You know, they might know you now for other things. You know, we'll get to that. Um, but it didn't happen in 2020. You were, you know, you were doing amazing things in 2004, 2005 to get to this point. So I want to talk talk a little bit about that, like you know how much how much you love the craft, how how you went at it. Like I want I want to know. You. I don't know, man. It's one of them things that you just like you grow up with it. So it's you don't look at it the way other people do, but you're aware of it and you know that you have this die this undying thing inside of you, um, which essentially is a purpose. Um, you know, Martin Luther King had a purpose at a very young age. He knew exactly what he wanted to do and the way that he wanted to go about doing it. He knew he didn't want a church. That's what his father wanted. And he wanted to impress his father, but ultimately he decided that that wasn't his ultimate purpose. Um, so it's just interesting that we developed these at such a young age. At such a young age, I knew that I wanted to be in the entertainment because I was a huge fan of Michael Jackson. And I saw Michael Jackson fucking pop out of a stage and people cheering and passed out for 10 minutes and this nigga didn't even move. And then he turned his head once and it all happened all over again for another 10 minutes. And then the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Like, that shit was fucking amazing. <laughs> um, my sister talks about that. My sister is, she just brought it up when I was just over at her house not too long ago. She was like, it's crazy how you you used to do you always been doing all this stuff like you used to always right. make the beat record it do the cover do the whole track list and she would be amazed that I was doing that at such a young age and you know now it's probably more common now because we have you know the home studio shit you could just download fruity loops and record shit you know you don't have to physically go to a studio you have all these programs and things that are available to you now like I had to do that shit back then by hand, you know what I'm saying. So that track machine was a was a, a Christmas present from my father. Uh -huh. Um, and if you remember, the way that it worked was tracks one and two was the left and right channels on the cassette, and tracks three and four was the left and right channels on the opposite side of the cassette. So if you if you turn track one and two down and, and you turn three and four up and you put a cassette tape in there that already had something on it, you would listen to what's on the other side of the cassette in reverse. I thought that was fucking fascinating that that shit worked like that because I didn't know that's how that shit worked. But that's how the fucking shit worked. And then, you know, cassette tapes became obsolete shortly after that. But I just always had that thing in me to like, well, I want to do this and I want to figure out how to do it. What's what so yeah, I did I did skip ahead um five years. So what happened was after me and Bill got cool and after I started coming around y'all, I asked Bill for some instrumentals. And so he gave me a bunch of instrumentals and I was writing to him and then eventually I was like, Yo, like I'm running out of beats. So that's what made me start making beats. I was already kind of playing piano a little bit, like here and there, not really trying to take it serious, but I was like, well, I'm going to make my own beat. And that was easy for me to do because I grew up in a house raised by a musician. And we always had little keyboards. We always had little Casio keyboards. So music was so accessible to me. And my whole family's into music. So it was almost like a second nature thing. 
So at that point, it just became a matter of how deep do you want to go with it? You know, I didn't just want to be a guitar player. I didn't just want to be a piano player. It's like, I can do all this shit. When I was little, um, you know, I I would think like, okay, I want to, I would want to be an artist, but I wasn't thinking about production and mixing and mastering. Like that wasn't the reality to me yet. But right. as I got right. older and learned about it, I was like, well, this is necessary. So I'm going to learn this as well. So yeah, I've, I've always had that. That drive, that push. And, and, you know, like you come, you came to, uh, <clears throat> Danger Room Studios at, and, 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 and heightened that level. Like when I moved into that apartment, I had no idea what we'd be, what we'd be doing, what, what that, what that meant. I remember, uh, and I'll, and I'll play it. I, I brought this up to you, just talking to you a couple weeks back that you made a, a track for, um, Bernard, Jig Nice, you know, uh, you, you, you made this, uh, sounded like feeling it, you know, in, in the 2000 space, feeling it by Jay-Z and he, he did, he did a joint and, and I'm, I'm playing it and I'm, I'm listening to it and the apartment's empty, but KM happened to come over that same time. And he's like, who, who made that beat? Who made that track? Cause, cause he was, he had, he had struck a deal with me every time he came over to record. He was bringing, he, he was uh, bringing me a beat. He let me hold a beat. He was making beats heavy. But at that time, right. your your production and whatever you had done, because you know you came in there, and like I said, you learned that Pro Tools in, in basically one night. You already had a track, you already mixed it down, and then you learned how to do the MIDI thing. So on this track, you, you tracked the beat completely out. It was fantastic. It was fantastic, and you know it caught his ear <laughs> as soon as he came in. Like the baseline was high. Of course, you were always big on baselines. The baseline yeah. was on it. And he couldn't ignore it. And I said, oh, yeah, you know, it's my mad quiz. Um, and, then, and then the rest was history. Then, I, then you know, you, you came to the apartment full time after that. Uh, KM ended up recording the whole album over there. Um, and then that would lead way to, to Wale, Raheem Devon being in there. And, you know, I mean, talk about uh, that time period. Like, I was at work some of those times, so I don't even remember, you know, I, I remember the, the night uh, Raheem and, and Wale came through, but I didn't even get to see Raheem. Like, he was in the booth doing 75 tracks. I don't even know how you recorded that song. I really don't. Um, yeah, me neither. I was running out of tracks. I, I remember that. I think you ended up. I think you ended up recording what you had, bouncing it, and then pulling up another. Yeah, that's what we had to do. Yeah, we had to bounce what we had, and then go over and add it in another session. Like my god, but yeah. Um, no, those are some dope times. He brought uh, Raheem to came, came through there while they came through there. Um, fucking um, god damn, what is her fucking name? Kim, Kim I can't. Yeah. Kim Scott came through there. Yeah, Kim Scott. Um, it was, it was a couple people. Yeah, we, we, we had some folks up in there. Absolutely, we had some absolutely. Folks up in there. And, and and it always amazed me because we, we, you know you, you talk about like padding and professional studio sounds and all that, but in 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 2004 to to, to, to that 2005 space. We made a hall closet, you know, and in a sense, you made that hall closet into a professional studio. Like, uh -huh. that sound was unmatched. People were coming because, damn, you, have, you ever heard a Crank Lucas mix? I mean, you ever heard, at that time it was Quiz, but Quizzolino mixing mixing your stuff was different from, from the, uh, the, 
the me with my uh, Omega Studios education mix, you know, right. it was totally, it was a totally different world. Like they, they heard, uh, I think, I think they heard the effort that you put in it. Like I said, you were falling asleep listening to other people's mixes, trying to compare, always trying to uh, EQ that situation. No pun intended. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so for me, that sets you apart. Um, I was listening to uh, a track you did back in, in 2011 when you, you know, around the first time of the name change. It was uh, uh, Blue and Silver. You remember that song? You did that? Mm-hmm. That was that was the last time the Danger Room was erected in a single man's apartment, 2011 in Laurel. I remember you did that song. And that's one of the other things that I, I, I admire about you, your persistence. Like, you always were persistent, even when people didn't think it was going to work out. Like, there was a lot. I, I know at one point they were like, dog, you need to just stick to producing. You're not a rap, you know, this rap deucer thing is not, not going to hit. So talk to me a little bit about your mindset. Like, how are you able to, like, continue to go? Because I see you take a lot of hits. You know, people have their opinions, but it never affected, it never seemed to affect you, in my opinion. Nah, it's, it's just, it's, it's that stubbornness. Um, and that's a trait that you have as a child and it depends on what you do with it and how you nurture it. And I was able to channel it into something positive. I always tell people the the easiest way to get me to do something is to say, I can't do it. If I say I'm make my mind up to doing this thing and it's going to work, um, even with the rap deucer thing. Yes. But specifically I knew that I could use the internet to sell my beats. And I remember a specific status on Facebook where like three or four niggas that I know that are all producers um, was commenting saying that that wasn't going to work and you got to be in these studios and you got this, you got to do that. Yeah, you do got to be in these studios and yeah, it will happen quicker if you're, if you're actually in front of these people. But I knew that my way would work. And that's one of the biggest, that's something that me and KM was talking about after this will situation is is so many great things about the situation in itself but one of the biggest things that i like about it is the fact that i did it my way okay all right just like the jay-z song <laughs> um yeah you know you 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 when you know something you know it and when you believe it like nothing can d- deter you from that especially with me i'm like you're not gonna tell me that I can't fucking rap. Like I'm, I can fucking rap, and I know I can fucking rap. Like you're not. That's just impossible for you to say. Matter of fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it so that you can never not want say that I didn't murder that shit. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that along with your consistency is is where was where you win. Because if if I'm not mistaken, you you started this journey in like 2015, right? Uh, yeah, made it yeah. made your mind up. 2015, you said we're gonna do this thing, and like every day since, I mean, most consistent. That's all I see from you is consistency. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I know that uh, pr- they say practice makes perfect, but it doesn't even seem like you're practicing because it, it. And forgive me if I'm wrong. There's nobody helping you in this situation. Like you're doing all everything that they hear, see. And, and, and every uh, post that comes directly from you, right? Yeah. And that's a big undertaking. Like, how, how does that even get done? How is that possible? 
it's possible, but it's it's now to that point where now I'm taking off hats. Now I'm doing a lot of delegation. Now I'm on any idea that comes up in my mind, I'm on Fiverr looking for somebody to do it. And that's helping me be way more productive. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where, because back then there wasn't no Fiverr. Back then you would have to actually like search for a company to do this or a person to handle that. And I knew that number one, you have to find it. Number two, that costs money. Well, maybe I can do it myself and save some money. And you know, it's, it's, it's all art. I'm an artist. I was always able to draw good when I was real young. So I've always had this, this keen eye for art and this, this ability to express myself artistically. And when you can do that, you know, it's, it's like, it's like one of those people that you hear about or read about or come across that, uh, that, um, start a business and they're successful in that business. They're good in that business and they crush it. And the next thing, you know, that might be their first business. Um, we can take, we could take Abka for an example. Okay. You know, she, she got into, she got into the business that she's in. She learned it. But once you learn how to start a business, now you have the mindset of abundance. You have this abundance mindset now, which is something that I'm always going to be talking about. Uh, shit, I can start another business. You can literally, you can legally start a business every single day. You can, you can, you can get one EIN per day. Mm. per business day so you can start as many businesses as you can afford to and you'll see somebody start a business like her and and she learns it she gets it and once you get it you start you start starting other businesses that you're just absolutely smashed in. everything that you start you smash everything you touch it might not turn to gold but that motherfucker going to turn to something you know what i'm saying it's going to yield something because you have that mindset um so it's the same thing with me on the business side, but as well as like art, it's like once I know how to do something musically or artistically, I can do everything else musically or artistically. Now I still cannot play the guitar, the lead guitar all that well, because my okay. fingering, I, that fingering is a, is a motherfucker, but you know, I'm, I'm nice on that bass, even with instruments, like instrument and it, all of this shit is connected. That's really what it is about. Everything is connected. So if you are a piano player, piano players tend to be good with picking up bass guitars. Um, it's, it's much simpler. You're not playing chords and stuff. You're playing one finger notes, but you have that understanding of music. And once you have that, I could, I could really learn how to play any fucking instrument at this point. You know what I mean? Like, and that's probably, and that is a, a, kind of a goal that I've always had like I would like to be like Prince and just play like 18 fucking instruments type shit so yeah that's it's it's because everything in that field is connected you're able to just latch on to whatever it is that you want to latch on to okay I kind of I kind of want to go back for a second uh you know prior to to 2015 because I mean it seems like it's it's all been a straight line like you were destined to get here and you came from you know, wherever you, no, it, I, I, wherever you came from, you came from wherever you came from, but I want to draw a line from where it, we lose, you know, we kind of uh, lost it, like between the, after my brother died, 20, 2009, 
uh, that uh-huh. 2009, 2012 space. I mean, that that wasn't a great time period for you. Can you can you talk about that at all? Um, it was a lot going on. Um, you know, I I had ended up moving back home, and after that, I was dealing with homelessness. Um, I think I left home shortly after I had I I I so I had just got home from Atlanta after right before Bill died. I had just got home from Atlanta and I was, I was in the house for a while and then I left and I was dealing with the homelessness shit and all that shit. Um, we still had contact. I still was doing the music stuff that I could do. Um, so I still was working. I still was staying consistent, um, to the best of my abilities, but you know, everything is full circle and that's, and that's a part of my story. Even during that time, like I never, uh, stopped i never quit i never said fuck this shit i give up like i don't know what that means just a solid vision just a solid vision so so that brings us to uh 2019 i want to talk about 2019 because uh i want to know how you how how your beat ends up in joiner lucas's hands can you talk about that yeah um you know the beat was in the the baby if the baby was a gospel rapper skit and um, December 30th, the day before my birthday, um, Joyner had uh, hit me up and he sent the video to me on Instagram. He was like, you made this beat? I said, yeah, why? You want it? He was like, yeah. So I sent it to him and he, he did what he did to it. I didn't know what he was going to do to it. Um, I knew I knew what the name of the song was, and I knew I didn't know what it was about, and I knew when the album was coming out, so I knew when to expect it. But he dropped the whole video for it. I was like, yo, that's dope. He actually did a video to it. Oh, shit, this is a dope video. Look at what he's talking about. Oh, shit, this nigga Will Smith is fucking with the joint. To, oh shit, Will Smith is hopping on the joint, which I knew Will was going to get on there because he had called me and told me beforehand. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's that's how it is. It's, you have an idea, you say, I'm going to do things this way, this is going to work. It doesn't matter if it took five years, it happens. And once it happens, that opens up the floodgates. But you know, it had to take five years because I was not in the same space that I am now five years ago. Um, I was way different. Um, my health and nutrition was different. My outlook on life was different. My discipline was different. Um, yeah, it was a lot. And and I'm, I, my maturity level was different. Um, my relationships with, with people and just the way I interact was different. Like... I've grown a lot in that time um, out of necessity, out of necessity. I think when you're in people like me who are in these positions and Will Smith is the perfect example of a nigga that's just living his best fucking life and trying to be, you know, the best possible version of himself that he can be. Um, People like us that are in these positions and that kind of, you know, have found our purpose and are living off of our purpose and living our purpose itself, we adapt that mind frame and that mindset of just constant self-improvement. And you realize that it's a never-ending job, so you become dedicated to it. And as you become dedicated to it, you're, you're like you're literally transforming your brain and transforming yourself into a superhero version of yourself. This is a philosophy that Joe Rogan speaks on. 
about being your own superhero and and just just crushing it, just in every area of life, crushing it. Mm, mm. And 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 along those lines, that's that's also ignoring other people's opinions in a sense, right? Like just doing so this. so. If you 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 don't let people's opinions deter you, but you do you embrace them. You embrace them. You you hear them. You embrace them. You still have a point in your mind of what it is that you want to do, but anything that you do is going to be met with resistance. And part of growth is learning how to embrace resistance, learning how to embrace you know the resistance becoming in the form of. Um, fear. Okay, I want to start this business, but I'm scared I'm going to fall flat on my ass and lose all my money. Mm. If you can confront that fear and by confront it, I mean, acknowledge it, understand it, embrace it, know that anything in life that you do is going to come with some type of fear or some type of resistance, something that's going to try to stop you from doing it. And a lot of times that resistance is that internal voice that, 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 that tells you this this isn't going to work, or you 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 know you're not good enough to do this. You're not ready to do this. It can come from friends and family. It comes from and and that's why it's so easy to embrace it because it really starts internally. Now, if you're just this overly confident person that never tells yourself that you can't do something, well then you good. Nobody's fucking opinion is going to matter no fucking way. Absolutely. But if you have that internal voice already that you're aware of. Then whatever people say, you've already told it to yourself, but you've weighed your options and you've decided that I'm still going to try this. I'm still going to do this thing. Um, setting impossible goals for yourself is very fucking healthy because what happens is you actually achieve them. You actually achieve that goal that was so impossible. It's like, there's no way I'm going to do this. No, it was done. You know how much determination... Tracy McGrady had to have to fucking score 14 points in 30 seconds or 35 seconds, whatever that, however long that shit was when he came back and won the game against San Antonio. Like, there was a certain level of determination that he had to have to get them turnovers, hit all them threes, hit the, hit the free throw, and win the game at the end when the game was pretty much over at that point. So, so in that, in that, in that vein, like, you you've had the the industry uh you know you had an industry placement now you got with Joyner Lucas on that and now you've had Will Smith rap on the remix of that so what impossible goal are you setting for yourself in in this 2020 2021 space what are we talking about oh nigga i got so many i ain't even about to sit here and speak on them <laughs> <laughs> they will see they'll see okay. i got okay. i got, yeah i i i hear this mantra with you you know i've i've heard you say it a lot uh, in our conversations privately, like just about, you know, living your purpose and, yeah. uh, you know, realizing that about yourself. Um, so any, in closing, I, you know, to wrap this up, um, just kind of, kind of give me a, a brief snapshot of what, what happened with you, because you, you said it, your, 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 your mindset has changed. Your health and wellness has changed. Uh, mm. Tell me what that's been like and, and what that brought that on as we wrap up. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, like I said, you, when you're in a certain space in life and you're somebody like me, who's a content creator or, you know, celebrity, whatever it is that you want to refer to me as when you're in that space in life, you have access to a lot of different things. 
Um, but a lot of the access is a lot of the information and stuff that it, I I read a lot now, and this is stuff that I'm like, well, why the fuck didn't I read this years ago? You know, I should have I should have been on this shit, but you know, better better late than never. Um, but it's just that 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 dedication to growth because what happens is you're the brand. So when you are the brand, you have to take care of the brand in ways that you might not normally take care of just yourself. So it's one thing to say, I want to lose weight. I want to get my body together. I want to eat right. I want to be healthy. It's another thing when you got a million fucking people watching you and you say, well, at least, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be on camera and I feel this way. I feel, you know, have it is. Um, that's what it took for Timberland to lose weight was for him to see himself as big as he had gotten Right. To see himself on camera say, okay, I don't want to look like that no more. Mm. So now I'm dedicated to transforming my body. Um, but it's but it's it's everything. It's it's your physical, it's your mental, it's your spiritual, it's all of that shit. It's it's the mindset of, you know, I wanna be the best possible version of myself. And mm. a lot of that does start with purpose. Why does it start with purpose? Because without purpose you're just going through life as a routine without any real end goal, any real, and it's not even so much an end goal. It's just without something that you're trying to achieve or to accomplish when you don't have that, you, you know, you, and I've had periods through these years of me doing skits where I was just, I was just making skits. I know they're going to make me money. I know I'm going to get a YouTube check. So I just make this skit and go on by my day. Now I have a lot more purpose tied into what I do. And and that and that affects how I do the skits and you know how I create my content, even the type of music that I make and the type of stuff that I talk about. Like it's all just it's all tied in together. Man, I mean it, it's 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 great to see. Uh, just for me, man, I always think about like if William was around to see this whole shit. You know, from Tanika to Nikki C to Piv to you, like all four of y'all just operating on a high level, you know, as, as folks born in 1985. Um, and I think he'd be right there with you, you know, his crazy ass getting thrown out of, of meetings or whatever, whatever bill, however bill could fit into it, he was going to fit into it, you know, and I, and I feel like he's that, he had that ultimate uh, entrepreneurial mindset. Um, yeah. Which you, which you, which you all have seen to take in and run with, like y'all all have that entrepreneurial mindset. Like it's, it's uh it's been a it's been a great ride and a great journey, and I you know I know that you're my brother, uh, like it's always exactly. been exactly. So man, I love you. Thank you for your time, bro. Um, and yeah, man. Till the next time. Till the next time. Appreciate you having me on. All right, bro. Peace. Peace.